are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back, everyone, to the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damian here with my co-host, Matt. We are coming to you a day later than normal. Uh, we're coming to you on July 14th of 2021 on a Wednesday. Uh, how are you doing, Matt? Doing pretty good. Uh, just hanging out. Uh, been... Uh doing some stuff around around the house last few days and um just hanging out so how are you doing i'm doing all right um you know went to uh went to a dodger game this weekend for my birthday it was last thursday went there and uh watched them lose to the last place diamondbacks so that, was, right. that was pretty awesome that's fun yeah not so, really. i'm sure it's still it's still fun to get back in the ballpark no yeah it was it was fun to be with that many people back in a ballpark i mean the stadium even though they were losing it was still electric it was it was really fun but uh we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a little bit because they had some some history happen um this weekend so but we'd had the all-star game um festivities this week uh and we were coming to you the day after the all-star game happened but it really got kicked off on sunday with the mlb draft yeah so this is the first year uh, that the draft has been like connected to the all-star game before usually it was a little bit earlier on in june so that teams could get, you know, get those rookies started in late in the the, the short season ball, um, but uh, you know this year they they've moved it back to kind of be connected to the draft to the uh, to the All Star game, so they'll have a little bit more attention on it and uh, and people will you know watch it, and also the fact that they didn't want to keep drafting players during the end of the college season while they're still with their teams and stuff, they can't be there, they can't celebrate, you know. In fact, there was guys a few years ago I remember get drafted during. A, a game yeah. where I think it was a Florida guy that they were playing on TV and that the draft was going and they get drafted literally like while he was hitting and they were yelling at him from the stands. Hey, you just got drafted. Wasn't it Alex Fideo? Wasn't he the pitcher? I think it was actually Jonathan India. They were both was on the India? same team. Yeah. I think Jonathan India was the guy that, that got drafted in the middle of the game, but Alex Fideo might've been too. They are Fiedo, excuse me. They might've both cause they were both drafted, you know, real high and from the, um, from Florida. From from Florida, so. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, we wanted to bring to a couple teams that we thought really had a good draft um, and a couple names that we kind of wanted to highlight and maybe some, some teams that we thought maybe didn't have as good of a draft or names that kind of fell that we didn't expect. So who's the who's the first team that you want to mention that had a, a really good draft in your eyes? Well, how about uh, how about the first team with the, with the, the team with the first pick? Um, the uh, I thought the Pittsburgh Pirates did a really good job. But the first pick they selected, and there was nobody knew who the first pick was going to be up until the draft time. Um, that's one thing you do like about the baseball draft is that typically you don't know because a lot of times, like, you know, football, you know, it's been leaked like three days ahead of time. That Oh, yeah, the team they're going to pick, they're going to pick, you know, whoever. Or basketball, it's the same way. In fact, basketball, you usually know, like, right when the lottery happens who they're going to pick. But for baseball, you never know until the day of. And, and the Pirates picked the catcher out of Louisville, Henry Davis. Um, he's a junior. He's got really good tools. He was a ranked as a top 10 uh, prospect by pretty much everybody. And, and he's ranked as, he was ranked number five on MLB Pipeline. But um, one interesting thing about the Major League Baseball process and draft is that your money you get to, to spend in the draft and to sign all your players is tied to your pick. So you get certain you get a bonus pool and that's really what you're up against more so than you know 
drafting players where they where, where they where you feel like they should be drafted. It's more of we're going to draft a guy that we can sign for the right price so we can draft guys later. So basically, they drafted Henry Davis, who probably wasn't the number one overall player on anybody's board, but they're probably going to cut a little bit of a deal with him, and that allowed them to pick a top 20 prospect in the second round in Anthony Solimento, and also in the third round, pick a um, pick a high school pitcher slash, I think, infielder uh, named Bubba Chandler, who um, was actually, and those guys are going to be expensive because they're both high school guys, and they're going to have to buy out their commitments to college, especially for Bubba Chandler, who was uh, signed as a football player as well in college, so uh, with Clemson. So um, Pittsburgh got three guys who were considered potential like top 25, top 30 picks, you know, in the, in, in, in the draft, they got them, they got three of them. So I thought they did a really great job with that. Yeah. Going into the draft, Henry Davis was five. Uh, Solimento was 17 and Bubba Chandler was 21 on MLB pipelines boards. So they basically, they got three top 20 players. I mean, if you want, you know, sure Bubba Chandler, you could throw them up to top 20 and one of those other guys would drop out. But I, I wasn't at the time, I would say I wasn't a biggest fan of, them drafting Henry Davis over number one overall, he was still going to be a top five to top seven pick anyways. Um, but I, I liked Marcelo Mayer coming out of, of high school. I mean, I know everybody was talking about him the most, but he, to me, that prep shortstop, he, from the game, the film and stuff that I watched, he was supposed to be a stud player. And I, I know you don't draft for need overall, but for me, the pirates, they're still a little ways away. And the, the type of player that I think, Marcelo Mayer could be is I, I think it's way above what Henry Davis could be. Um, I think that Marcelo Mayer could be one of the best players in baseball when he gets that eventually. And I, I'm not a big fan of them not taking the biggest or the best prospect you can at number one overall. But I will say for what they did and the way they manipulated the bonus pool money to be able to draft Anthony Solamento, another guy who I'm really, really high on. And then, Bubba Chandler, who, like you said, he was a assigned football commit for Clemson to be a quarterback. So, I mean, we're just talking about Trevor Lawrence just got taken number one overall in the NFL draft. And, and their Clemson, Deshaun Watson is another guy. They breed quarterbacks. So to be able to, to buy him out of that, you know, that commitment from a third round pick is it's a big deal for the Pirates. Yeah, no doubt. It was um, it was big for the Pirates. But uh, who did you have your eye on? Um, the draft that you really like from pick wise? So I, I had a couple. Um, I'll go with the Tigers on this one because I know we, we can talk a little bit more about the Red Sox in a minute. But the Tigers, they drafted Jackson Job, um, number one, or their number one pick at number three overall. He wasn't, he was a number seven ranked prospect, but he's a high school prep arm, um, was the high, highest ranked high school arm out of any of them. And he has an electric fastball. I think he can be somebody that's, you know, he, he's going to take some time to develop. I think he struggles with command a little bit, but the Tigers were one of the teams who they get in the second round. Though, it was really high. Oh, Ty Madden. That was the yeah. other pitcher. Um, SEC pit or not, not SEC. He came from Texas. My bad. Yeah. Um, he was supposed to be a top 10 pick as well. You know, he's ranked number nine on MLB's pipelines board and he fell to the 32nd pick and the Tigers got him there. So, there, and then Isaac Pacheco, even at, at pick 39, he's a prep shortstop that I was at the end of the first round. I was interested in the Dodgers drafting 
and the the Tigers got him right there at the top of the second round as well. So I think the Tigers had a really good draft. Yeah, that goes along with a couple guys. Uh, Dylan Smith out of Alabama, had a really good fastball, and then uh, Tyler Madison, uh, who was a prep outfielder, um, really good power, at, you know, power hitting, left-handed power. So, um, you know, we don't know, and, and those guys are obviously more risky, but uh, a couple interesting, interesting picks there as well. A um, couple more highlights. Um, you know, the top college arm off the board at number two was uh, Jack Leiter from, from Vanderbilt. And he, um, you know, he was a guy who a lot of the year people were kind of thinking might go number one. Um, I think teams got a little bit, or at least the Pirates, because they were the only team ahead of the, the Rangers. Um, the Pirates got a little bit worried probably about his command. Um, you know, he, he did get his walks up there just a little bit at times this year. Although he was absolutely disgustingly good. Um you know, they might worry a little bit about him professionally. And, and his size isn't elite at 6'1", 200 pounds. Um, and then, um, of course, uh, you know, we a lot of talk was made uh, all year. And for the last couple of years, really the, the biggest name in the draft ended up going number 10 with Kumar Rocker. Yeah, he's a he's a pitcher from Vanderbilt. Like, we, uh, he's a big guy, 6'5", 245. I know you have a little bit more experience because you went and watched him in person. Um, the big reason why he dropped is that he pretty much his stuff – really fell off like you said he was he's a guy who was touching 98 99 at times and this year he was at the sec tournament you said i think you said he was 91 92 yeah maybe? i mean he reached back a couple times got 94 but it wasn't like he had been an easy mid 90s velocity being able to reach back for you know more you know his at times in his career and and then late in the season especially this year you know, he fell off a bit. He, he dropped his velocity, dropped some. His command went downhill a lot. Um, and he got lit up in the SEC tournament and in the College World Series that probably cost Vanderbilt the championship. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think it's a really good pick for the Mets at number 10. If they can get him right back on, that's a guy who is a potential top five pick at times. Now, it might be a struggle, and being such a big guy, we do see that big pitchers usually have a a tendency to fall out of rhythm with their command um, and, and their mechanics. So maybe if the Mets can find a way to, you know, harness Kumar Rocker back into the player he was a freshman, sophomore year, then that could be a steal for them at 10 because I think they might I think they had to go over slot for him even. So that might be, you know, they're taking a bigger risk on him because they had to, to dump more money in because he got drafted number 10. Yeah, no doubt. So, um, that was definitely an interesting, uh, interesting pick there. Uh, a few others that were kind of interesting. Um, I thought um, Will Bednar, who was the College World Series most outstanding player, went, ended up going to the San Francisco Giants at number fourteen. Um, and then, uh, you know, there was there was some other, uh, you know, obviously the baseball draft. There's so much is is made out of the being able to sign the players and stuff. There's guys that you know were rated number f top five that fell into the late teens, the guys that were rated outside the top 30 that were picked in the top 10. So, um, you know, you just never know. But um, definitely an interesting draft so far. Yeah, another one that I really liked was Gunnar, uh, Gunnar Hoagland to the Blue Jays. Yeah. He was a guy who he probably coming into the year was thought to probably be a top 10 pick as well, maybe even top five. Um, and he ended up getting his season cut short in, in May, and he had to have Tommy John surgery, so he's out 12 to 18 months. So I think that kind of hurt his draft stock a little bit. 
um, and he ended up falling down to, to 19 at the Blue Jays. But they're also a team that usually has a lot of good young pitching. Um, you know, like Noah Syndergaard was the guy that came up with them. Um, before, I mean, they traded him before he really got up there, but they, they have some other arms that I think they could develop Gunnar Hoagland uh, in a really good way. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, he's got a great breaking ball um, out of Ole Miss. I you know, saw him. I didn't see him in person, but I did see him. I, I might have seen him in person, actually, when he was a freshman, but um, I have seen him a little bit. Um, you know, watch him on TV and stuff. He's 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 definitely a, a good looking arm. So um, very interesting stuff. Um, I like what we saw. Um, you know, from the draft, I thought it was a, it was cool. They were a lot more. You know, as mentioned, with it being tied to the All Star game, there were a lot more players in attendance at the draft. Yeah. You know, a lot more players when they got picked. You could see the you know you could see their reactions and you know they because in the past it's been you know a guy gets picked while their season's still going on. So you never see any of them at the draft or anything. So that, I thought that was pretty cool to get to see a little bit of and uh, good stuff. I, I definitely, um, you know, definitely enjoy, enjoy it. And I'm excited to see where, where these guys end up. You know, you could end up seeing a couple of them, like, uh, you know, maybe a, maybe a Ryan Cusick, the Braves picked or Gavin Williams from Cleveland, someone like that. Who's a, high velocity college arm you could see it end up seeing a couple of them make contributions and you know at the end of this year as relievers but you could you know some of these guys it might be five years but they could end up being the best player in the major leagues at some point you just never know that's right. one thing that's fun about the about the draft so yeah you never know who it could be and, and because they do have the minor leagues it could be years down the road um, before you see any of them actually so but I, I do agree with you i do like the way that they moved the draft to the beginning basically it's kind of the kickoff to all-star weekend i mean maybe you could say the futures game but i, I really like the draft being there and like you said the, the amount of players that were able to show up and it's just a much bigger venue than you know mlb studios where they which they were doing it before so but it, like you said start of the start of the all-star weekend we'll jump over to the home run derby now which was the pretty much I think the biggest event of all-star weekend. I mean, I don't know how you feel, but I think everybody looks forward to that more than the all-star game anyways. Um, and we had guys, we had Shohei Otani in it, Juan Soto, uh, defending winner, Pete Alonzo, uh, who else? Trey Mancini was in there. Trevor story. Um, yep. it, it was a good home Joey run derby. Gallo. Joey Gallo was another one. Salvador Matt Perez. Olsen, I think it was an Olsen there. Too. Yep. Olsen yeah, was Olsen, in it. Salvador uh, Perez. Yeah. It was a good home run derby. I didn't get to watch all of it. Um, I did see the Shohei versus Juan Soto. I think that was an awesome matchup. It, they ended up tying in regular time. They went to a one-minute swing off, tied the one-minute swing off, went to uh, three swings. Juan Soto hit all three of them for homers, and I think Shohei missed his second one. Um, yeah, he missed his up, first one. Was it his first one? Yeah, he popped um, it up. So that and that ended up kicking him out in the first round. So it was kind of disappointing because I know everybody was looking forward to you know seeing Shohei Otani hit so many home runs, but I think he still hit what thirty something. I mean, in that one little he, round, he hit twenty eight. Twenty eight in the in the regular, and then I think when they got the extra minute for the tie, after the tie, he hit three more. So or the thirty seconds or whatever, I think I he ended it. up with thirty one. So. So it it might have just been 28. That might have been what Soto hit because of the three swing off. But Yeah, maybe it was. Uh, anyways, it, I mean, I know people expect it. I mean, there was a lot of talk that Shohei Otani was going to win it or he's going to automatically be in the finals against Joey Gallo. And I believe both of them got knocked out in the first round even. They did. Um, so you had – it ended up being, I think, Trey Mancini and Trevor Story. Um, and Trey Mancini ended up beating Trevor Story. And then it was Olsen. 
and no, Peter Lonzo, or is this Perez? Soto and Peter Lonzo. Oh, Soto. I don't know why I yep. keep saying Perez. Soto yep. and Peter Lonzo. Yep. Lonzo won that one. Mancini beat Trevor Story. So it had Trey Mancini versus Pete Alonzo in the finals. And then Pete Alonzo ended up winning it and defending his home run derby championship. Yeah. And, um, you know, some cool things about it. We saw, obviously, with it being a course, uh, we saw several home runs hit over 500 feet. In fact, uh, one was hit 520 feet, I believe, by Soto. And that was the longest home run in home run derby history. Um, or at least since StatCast was started being counted. Um, and then uh, I thought um, I thought everybody in the home run derby, you know, did pretty well. I was a little disappointed at Joey Gallo. Um, he really struggled for this first like half of his round, and then he picked it up and almost came back at the end, but he couldn't quite get there. Uh, but um, everyone kind of did well. I I wish they would go to a format where in the first round that just the top four advance instead of having the bracket because right. you know Otani was like third out of the amount of home runs hit but he was he didn't hit as many as soto they tied so they should have both moved on but um you know i think the fans there were unhappy that you know tawny got eliminated in the first round because they really wanted to see him you know keep going because he did well in the first round but you had like trevor story hit like 20 and he made it after otani hit like 28 so um and then uh, I thought Salvador Perez was real impressive too, because you know he's been around a long time, and I didn't know he had the kind of power that he showed off in the home run derby. He hit something; he had almost thirty, and uh, but he was just matched up against Pete Alonso, who hit thirty-five in the first round, which was insane. So, yeah, and Pete Alonso came out after and said that he's the greatest power hitter on the planet. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see if he can defend that crown for a third time next year in Los Angeles. Sounds like uh, Tatis yep. wants to be in it next year. Um, maybe Jock Peterson go back in it again after his run that he had in Cleveland, which was, uh, you know, yeah. I think him and Alonzo were in it for a while. Yeah. Against uh, each other. So, you know, Vlad Jr. Um, yeah. you know, he did it and, and then Acuna obviously with his injury, which we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, wasn't in it, but he, I think he'd probably do it again at some point. Yeah. So we'll see what that happens, but let's move on to the all-star game. Actually. Um, you know, we had Shohei Otani start on the mound and also as the lead off DH. So that was the first time in history that the pitcher in the, I don't know. It's so he made history this weekend with pretty much everything he did. So it, it like we talk about a lot with Shohei Otani, the game overall, it was, I, I don't think it was the most entertaining game. They had some, you know, Vladimir Guerrero hit a, a monster homer off Corbin Burns as they were talking to Fernando Tatis. Yeah. Um, JT real Muto hit a homer. Mike Zanino hit a homer. Um, but other than that, I mean, it was kind of a, a quiet kind of all-star game to me. I mean, I really wasn't too thrilled, not thrilled, but I wasn't, it didn't pull me in usually how an all-star game really does. Yeah. And, and I'm a guy that I don't, I think it's really cool for, for a lot of different reasons to have the all-star game and for, you know, I, I know the players, that's a good honor for them to get to represent their, their team, to get, to get picked for it. Um, I think that, um, there's a lot of times um, you look at the, the the fact that you know the, you know the fans get to come in and see all these players, and you look at all the festivities around it, like the home run derby and the celebrity all star, the celebrity softball game, all that kind of stuff too. I think people like that a lot. Uh, but the the big thing for me is I just you know I don't I don't love watching a game where the players aren't fully invested in the game and 
also where the players aren't really, you know, they're not really giving it their all. And, and then the fact that the game just doesn't really count for anything. Uh, so, you know, you don't care who wins. And it's always cool to see occasionally there'll be some big moment. Like, you know, people remember some stuff like Bo Jackson's leadoff home run or Ichiro's inside the park home run, stuff like that. But you just don't see the, too much anymore um, of that kind of stuff. It, it really just doesn't mean all that much. It's, just, it's a cool event, but it's not, it's not really the most fun thing to watch on tv now in recent years there, there has been some cool things like they'll talk to a player during their at bat or something and of course if it wasn't you know i didn't think that that went all that well this time but no. um it was uh but typically that's kind of a cool thing for them to do so um but we'll see i you know i i definitely um you know i caught parts of the game and um you know there's just not that many highlights of it um it's cool occasionally that you, you'll see an all-star too like uh, that'll come up and just have a huge game, you know, kind of in their first time um, in the all-star game. They're maybe from a team that doesn't, you know, that, that doesn't get talked about a lot, that get represented very often in the media, you know, a team that's not very good. They'll come out and have a really good game. And, you know, the guys like, and sometimes it is from a team that is good, like a guy like Willie Peralta come out and strike out the side. I mean, I'm sorry, Freddie Peralta. <laughs> I get all the Peraltas mixed up. There's like three or four of them. They're all pitchers, but, um, I think they've but all yeah, for the Brewers at one point. And I think they have. I know Willie Peralta did, um, but I, I do get those guys mixed up sometimes. But yeah, it's. I think that's kind of a cool thing to see. I think a few years ago, um, you know, Shane Bieber kind of had his breakout, uh, you know, in the All Star game where he came out, struck out the side. Um, I think it was Shane Bieber that, that did that. And, um, you know, it's cool for obviously the, the Otani thing. Even though as we kind of discussed last week, I wasn't a huge fan of him, you know, being selected as a pitcher uh necessarily because i didn't think he's i don't think he's an all-star level pitcher yet but um it was still cool to have him be able to um you know him be on the mound and stuff that's a, definitely a special thing to happen but it was it was a cool it's you know it's a cool game and everything but um you know it, it, it it's a you have to take it for what it is so um and i'm just not a huge all-star person but that's just me so yeah, and that's why I think everybody looks more towards the home run derby, anyways. Um, yeah, and and that's the big event of the of All Star Weekend. So, and, and this year you had a, a ton of people opt out as well, a ton of All Stars that didn't. Yeah, yeah, three or four. I know Mookie Betts didn't play, and there was a, there was a lot more. I know all the yeah, Astros did. And, the and Astros, yeah, Mookie Betts. So, let's uh, let's jump over to our uh, our division breakdown. We haven't done one in about a month. Um, so kind of get you guys caught up uh, at the all-star break being a good time to do this kind of where all the standings are sitting right now. Um, so we'll start off in the AL East where we got Boston is still leading this division all the way up by game and a half. And them and Tampa Bay have really separated themselves from the division with the uh, Toronto and the Yankees both being eight games back. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's funny with Tampa Bay, you, you never, it, it's, it's so weird how it happens. Um, every year it seems like you know they didn't have they only had one all-star and it was mike zunino who a lot of people don't really think of as an all-star caliber player um he actually hit a enormous home run in the game yesterday but yeah. um aside from that um you know it's still it's one of those things where it's pretty cool that um uh that that, that the rays were able to do this every year but boston they're, they're still you know chugging along um 
you know, that, that offense is still really good. Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez. I don't really see them slowing down. And I, and I do think that they're going to be a team that's able to pick up, you know, a, a starter that really they got. They still got enough holes to really make some improvements to their roster over the break. So or, or before the trade deadline in a, in a couple weeks. So, um, you know, I, I definitely look for them to be aggressive and try to go out and get a starter or, or and maybe another bullpen piece, even though their bullpen's been good. So. Yeah, and I mean, Baltimore is at the bottom of this division, 26 games back. But I, I do look that I think that Toronto or the Yankees could make some sort of a move and, and make a, a jump or, you know, a, a push to try and get one of those wild card spots because you have Oakland back here. We'll talk about in a little bit. They're three and a half back at the division, but they're the second wild card team right now. Um, and they've kind of fallen off lately. And, and I don't think they're going to be able to really sustain unless they make some big move at the deadline as well. But. I would look for a team like the Yankees to try and, and get a big name at the deadline. I know we've talked about the Yankees a, a lot about them struggling and, and waiting for them to make that move, and they haven't yet. But I think that the frustration is starting to grow on the Yankees, and the, that they're going to be a team to really watch out for and try and make a push. Because I mean, they're only four and a half back of the of the wild card right now. So yeah, and the Yankees have a lot of problems. Um, I think one of their big problems right now is the fact that they're two super star pitchers that their closer and their starter have both really been struggling lately. And coincidentally it's come right as the whole substance crackdown um, came about. So um, one, one good thing for, for them is that Garrett Cole threw a really good game in his last start before the break through like 130 pitches, pitched a, a gym. Um, so that's a good sign for them. They, maybe he's is going to get back on track, but um, Chapman's really been struggling since the crackdown on the substances. Um, and it's a team that, you know, I think it's kind of a, um, it's a team that I think it's, it's kind of a struggle right now. On, and, 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 you know, when it comes to New York teams, when they start struggling, you know, it's real easy for it to get in their head with the way the media is up there. Um, but you know, they're still three games above 500 and they're a team that's got that talent, certainly capable of going on a run for a week that where they win seven in a row and then you're right back in it. So, um, as a, as a wild card. So, um, you know, the blue Jays too, another team that we really expect to do well, they've, they've battled injuries in their lineup and rotation. Um, but you know, they're kind of in the same boat as the Yankees. They just don't get as much attention with it. You know, there's some things that. You know, if the if the Blue Jays could really put it together, I mean, they got two MVP candidates in their lineup. So, um, you know, and then they've and they've got some other good role players there too. So they just haven't been able to put together the, you know, the pitching staff fully. And a lot of that's come because of injury. But, um, you know, it is it you know it is what it is for them right now. I mean, you you're three games above 500 at the break, but you you gotta you gotta figure it out before you know, the trade deadline for going to buy, sell, you're sitting there eight games out of the division. So, I mean, that's a tough, that's a tough hill to climb at this point. Absolutely. Well, let's jump over to the AL central now where you got the Chicago White Sox kind of distancing themselves as as the the class of this division, eight games up on the Cleveland Indians um, who have really struggled lately. Their last 10, they're three and seven, and they've kind of took a turn for the worst. Um, then you got Detroit, Minnesota back there, both 15 games, and Kansas City about 18 games out. Yeah, this is just a runaway at this point. Um, you know, the, the Indians had enough stuff to, if they were fully healthy, everything went the right way, they could they could handle it. 
but the you look at the White Sox, and I mean their their rotation is better than anybody could have thought it would be because Giolito's been good. He hasn't been as good as he has been in the last couple of years, but he's been you know good enough. And uh, but you look at the fact that Carlos Rodon, who nobody expected to be what he's been, has you know was, has been one of the best pitchers in baseball. You look at Dylan Cease has taken a step forward, and Lance Lynn you know, has been really good. I mean, you got four pitchers in that rotation that have been really, really good. You add in the fact that everyone knew their lineup was going to be pretty good coming into the season, and um, that's a pretty unstoppable team right now, and, and they're looking like possible favorites in the in the AL right now. So um, yeah, very, then, very good, very, very good-looking season so far from the White Sox. And they're getting ready to get Eloy back. Um, yeah, Eloy and, has gone on yep. rehab assignments, and I don't know quite how long he's supposed to be on a rehab, but – He's really soon to come back. I mean, I would say maybe in under a month he'll be back. So depending yeah. on not depending on how long they want to see about that peck. But like you said, it's a runaway. I, I expect them to make some sort of a small move at the deadline, maybe just to get another arm for bullpen or, or something. But I, I don't know what the White Sox really need to, you know, obviously they have this division in hand. It's going to be interesting with Cleveland because Cleveland's only four and a half games out of the wild card. Um, they're, you know, they have lost Shane Bieber. McKenzie's been terrible. Um, they're Savali's, hitting. Savali's hurt, isn't he? I think Savali did get hurt as well. So yep. it's going to be interesting to see if they take the, the the road at the deadline to want to add and try and make a wild card push, and, and hopefully they get those guys back healthy. Because, I mean, if you can get Bieber back healthy, if Savali, who's had a great season, he gets back healthy. Um, you know, Plesak's still there. Uh, McKenzie's a, a hit-or-miss guy, but – if you can get him on track, I mean, his last start, he had like seven innings of one hit ball. And I mean, I know it's against the Royals, but for a guy who struggles with command, that's, you know, that's a really good start for him. So, but there's also a team that they've talked about possibly selling off some pieces and maybe Jose Ramirez at one point. I mean, it, you haven't heard as much about it lately, but maybe that's a guy, um, maybe even trading off some more of their pitching. But it's going to be interesting to see what Cleveland does here in the next couple weeks if they decide to make that one push for the for that wild card spot or if they decide to hey let's just take our losses and try and come back at it next year yeah you're absolutely right about that and, um you know with cleveland you know i don't think jose ramirez gets moved mid-season i think he would be an off-season move but um you know you look at like maybe a cesar hernandez or someone like that and cleveland just didn't have enough offense really i mean they just don't and yeah well, and they lost Eddie Rosario, too. Yeah, so, you know, injuries have hit them, and, and they just don't have enough offense. So, and you look at the other teams here, and obviously the Twins had been so disappointing this year, uh, but, um, you know, Tigers and Royals, I, I probably, I probably would have expected the Tigers and Royals to be flip-flopped from where they are in the standings, but, um, you know, neither one of them have been very good. They're still, you know, figuring it out, so... Um, you know, this has been an interesting division, but I, I think the White Sox easily run away with it at this point. And, um, I think they can add to their bullpen. You know, obviously Liam Hendricks is their, their closer there, and he's been really good. But they, you know, I think there's definitely pieces they could add there that would help them out. So, yeah, it would be interesting to see what they what they can pull off. Let's look over at the AL West now, where you got Houston's kind of taking control of this division now. They're three and a half games up on Oakland. Um, who said Oakland's the, in the wild card spot right now. You got Seattle is seven games back of the division, three and a half back of that wild card. 
The Angels have made a nice turnaround to get right above 500 again. They're nine games back of the division, but only five and a half games back of the wild card. Um, and they made a, a signing today. It's not a big one, but they did sign a veteran outfielder Adam Eaton for the rest of the season. Yeah, that's cool. Um, you know, Adam Eaton's the guy who can probably help the Angels with, with their struggles in the corner outfield spots. Um, obviously, Shohei Otani's carried their offense with Mike Trout out and Anthony Rendon out slash struggling when he has played. Um, but if they get those three guys in there and, and fully healthy, um, this is a team that can make a little bit of noise. I don't see them catching the Astros, but no. um, and I don't see them being buyers just because they're while they are while they are good right now. They're still they're so far back there. They're over five hundred, but they're you know it's gonna be really difficult to catch either the wild card or the the division lead here. But you uh, I mean you look at them and you, you got a team that there's a lot of it's showing a lot of. Um, a lot of progress this year. I feel like, you know, being having a winning record at this point, something that they haven't done in a while. And, uh, you know, their pitching has really been worst case scenario for, for them. None of the guys who pitched good for them last year have pitched well for them this year. Um, you know, Bundy has been awful. Uh, you know, you look at Andrew Haney hasn't been as good. Um, and then you go to the, their acquisitions that have, have all struggled. Um, uh, Quintana has struggled mightily. Uh, Alex Cobb has been okay. Um, you know, they just really haven't had all that much. So um, if they are able to add, you know, maybe maybe they could make a move kind of like the Reds made a couple years ago when they traded for Bauer at the deadline um, when they weren't fully in contention, but they knew that they'd have him for the following year. You know, maybe they could find a pitcher that something like that where, you know, if they get really hot, maybe the A's just get ice cold or something. Well, they could maybe get to that wild card, but, you know, kind of build for next year. I mean, a guy like Kyle Gibson would probably be good for that because I believe he signed for, for next year. But I, I don't think that the wild card is, is directly out of contact for the Angels. They still have nine games head to head against Oakland. So even if you can, if you can win some of those games and then get some help within your the division or something with Oakland's really been struggling lately and you maybe make a piece, oh, you're going to get Trout back. Rendon's going to be back. Like you said, Shohei's been amazing. Fletcher's been amazing um, as of lately. If you can get another pitcher in there and maybe, you know, maybe like a Kyle Gibson or somebody like you said that that's signed for next year, maybe not at a, a super big cost, but, you know, just a help to that rotation. I don't think that the wild card is, is out of reach, it, it, you know, for the Angels. Is it going to be tough? Yes, but I, I definitely think that there is a path where they could make a run and, and get to the wild card. Yeah, I mean that's why I say like I wouldn't buy, I wouldn't sell, right? You know, and I wouldn't buy like you know rental players. Is kind of what I'm saying. Right. You know, maybe you go out and get a guy who could help you next year too. Um, you know, maybe you go take a couple of bullpen arms on who are gonna be real easy to get. Um, that maybe you can turn around into pitching really well or something. Um, but, you know, I, I probably wouldn't sell any pieces. I mean, I don't really think they have many pieces to sell when it comes to, like, rental players if they say, oh, yeah, we are out of it. But, I mean, you have a lot of teams to pass, to. It's not just being, you know, five and a half games out or, or whatever they are. It's also you have to pass a team that uh, the Mariners, uh, who are sitting there ahead of them in the standings, believe it or not, uh, but also, you know, they're still behind the Indians. They're still behind the Blue Jays, the Yankees. I mean, they, they're – 
there's a lot of teams that they have to pass to get to that wild card level. So, um, you know, even if they are able to catch the A's specifically, you know, who's to say that they're also passing the Yankees, Blue Jays, Indians, and Mariners, and or, you know, and, and of course they could also catch the Rays instead of the A's, which I think is less likely. But I mean, it's you know, right. But um, but yeah, I mean, you look at you look at the you look at this team, and you know they're good. Uh, they're just not quite good enough yet. Um, but I mean, I take the when I take a look at this division, I just think about what the Astros have done this year, and I know, you know, a lot of people are you know don't like the fact that they're ahead in this division, but, um, you know, they've really done such a remarkable job with, you know, having lost, you know, the, the really their big pitchers that, you know, Verlander is still out from Tommy John last year, Garrett Cole, um, you know, is in New York, um, you know, from, for their last world series run and, and, and Granky's definitely not as good as he once was, but they've kind of just reloaded. Luis Garcia has pitched so well for them. McCullers has pitched well for them. Uh, Urquidy's in there, Valdez coming back and and pitching well. I mean, you just you know you've got such a good foundation there with their pitchers and their lineups really good and hitting like they did back in 2019, 2018 when they were you know in the playoffs and in the World Series and everything. So this is a team that I you know I really think I really think right now um, you know you might see a 2005 rematch in the you know, from the World Series and the American League Championship Series this year with the Astros and White Sox. So that'll definitely be a series that'll uh, be fun to watch if we do get that. But let's go ahead and jump over to the NL now, and we'll start with the NL East, where the New York Mets are leading this division um, over by three and a half over Philadelphia, who is six and a half back in the wild card. So it's really looking like if you don't win this division, um, you're pretty much going to have to. You know, you're going to be out of the playoffs this year. You got Atlanta sitting right there four games back, um, but they just did lose Ronald Acuna Jr. Um, this past week to a torn ACL, so he's out for the remainder of the season. Yeah, so you look at the Mets, and they're definitely not as good as their record right now, which the record's just okay, but they've also had a lot of injuries. So they've kind of weathered the storm with a lot of one-run wins and close wins and, you know, Maybe a little luck too, but getting their their guys back is going to help them a lot. Um, you know, they've missed a lot of the season has been missed by you know Jeff McNeil and JD Davis and Michael Conforto and a lot of these guys have missed extended time this DeGrom year. Degrom even. Well, Degrom's missed a couple starts, but yeah, I mean he you know he's been there most of the year. But you look at the you look at that team and um, I mean right now I don't think Philly's going to catch them because their bullpen is atrocious. They're all they're their pitching staff is, you know, real top heavy, and their uh, and their lineups inconsistent. The Braves have had so many injuries to their lineup, and the fact that you know without their superstar, you know, you're looking at a team that really just doesn't have enough firepower. Although the starting pitching's been a lot better, plus they have a bad bullpen. Um, you, you know, you look at the Nationals, and you know, I just don't think their lineup is anywhere sustainable, especially with Schwarber not. Schwarber had to have like the best month of his career for them to even get back in the contention. Right. And then the Marlins are the Marlins. So, um, you know, I, I really think the Mets are going to win this division now with, with, the, with the Braves injuries. Uh, and, and, you know, unless, you know, the Phillies can add a piece or, or maybe even the Braves still go out and add a big piece or something, which I don't think would be a very wise thing to do unless it's a multi-year type thing. Um, you know, you look at, I think, 
it's going to be tough to catch the Mets right now just because of just because of you know I, I, this division's just bad in general. This division's been bad all year. Nobody's really stood out as a good team. Whoever wins this division, it's like the Central was last year. Whoever wins it's just not going to really do much in the postseason. So, you know, but I guess, um, you know, I, I guess it's hard, to, it's hard to bet against the Mets right now in this one, so. Yeah, especially because they're going to, Carrasco looks like he's going to be on his way back pretty soon. He's starting to throw bullpens. Um, so that's going to be a, a de facto trade deadline deal, you know, acquisition that they're going to get back. Francisco Lindor has started picking it up the past couple weeks. You know, he struggled basically all year. I think he's hit like 227 all year. Um, the past couple weeks, he's hit over 300. Um, a couple big home runs. Conforto had a big home run the other day. Maybe he's starting to come back, you know, turn around after his injury and then slow start. So I, I definitely do think the Mets, I don't think that the Phillies have the, the bullpen or the starting pitching depth to really come around. And they have one of the worst defensive teams um, yeah. in the league. That, that doesn't help at all. Like you said, Atlanta losing to Cunha, that's just a big blow at this point. You know, like you said, unless they make some massive deal, but it, it, it might not be smart to do that at this moment. Maybe you trade off guy like Charlie Morton and maybe another one piece here that, that you guys only have for the rest of the year yeah. and, and reload for next year. The watch yeah, the yeah. nationals. I mean, they're a team that people are saying they shouldn't sell now. And I'm like, no, they should sell like they should trade sell. trade Max Scherzer. Like you aren't going to compete this year. As bad as, as bad as this division has been, the yeah. nationals are not a good team at all. No. They, they really, their lineup is atrocious and, their starting rotation outside of Scherzer and, you know, Strasburg when he pitches, it's been atrocious. And their bullpen's not very good. I mean, they're really just not a good team. Well, I mean, and they've they're... been carried by, you know, just the absolutely insane month from Kyle Schwarber. But other than that, I mean, they're, you know, one of the worst teams I, in the I, National League. I, I mean, like. they came into the year with Starling Castro as their starting third baseman. Yeah. So, I, I mean, mean, that should that should say pretty much everything we need to know about the Nationals season. Yeah. they got a couple of really but, good players in, in Turner and Soto and – you know, Schwarber this year when he's played. Um, well, I have to say that when he's played, he's only been out for like a week, but, you know, he's not he's not going to be back for a little while. But, uh, you know, and obviously a couple of their pitchers. But, I mean, they're just not a very good team. And the Marlins have a great pitching rotation, but their lineup is just not good. And the Marlins have been pretty unlucky, too. They've had a lot of close losses. And, um, yeah. Honestly, I feel like they've played every bit as well as the Nationals or the Braves, for that matter, this year. They just yeah. have had some of those close losses. So. Yeah, they just played the, the the Dodgers right after the Dodgers swept the Nationals. You know, the Marlins played them, and I believe they took three out of four from them. Um, yeah, they took three out of four from LA. That they had, I mean, their pitching staff: Alcantara, Lopez, Trevor Rogers. I mean, those three are dynamite. They're not going to get Sixto Sanchez back this year. He ended up having, um, I believe, it was shoulder surgery again, um, so he's out for the rest of the year. But yeah. This team, I mean, they're in talks supposedly with Marte about getting an extension done. I, I think this team's a lot, like you said, they're a lot better than what their record shows. I think they could be closer to a 500 team yeah, had they not dealt with a bunch of injuries this year, like Sixto being out. Brian Anderson was out for is, has been out for a couple months. Um, at Starling Marte missed some time. You're talking uh, Garrett Cooper, who's played phenomenal for them since he came back off the I.L., you know, he missed quite a bit of time. Jesus Aguilar has played really good for them, too. Jazz Chisholm is, is a star in the making. This team is, is really good that they just need, you know, to get healthy and to develop a little bit more, and they could be right up there. 
Yeah, I mean, they still have have had, um, you know, pieces that, you know, areas that they really need help, like center yeah. field. Um, you know, I guess Marte's played in center field part of the time, but he's really not a center fielder. Um, you know, they're going to have one outfield spot that's kind of empty. Um, they did call up somebody, but they've kind of struggled. And then some of those young guys, like, like Jazz Chisholm was off to a fire start, but ever since then, he, he really hasn't been quite as good. He's struggling with, you know, the strikeout bug, which, you know, he's a young player. That's always been his kind of his fallback. His downfall has been strikeouts. So, you know, it's it's kind of a part of the learning curve for him. Um, although you look at him and you think, wow, this guy might be a future star. You know, that's kind of been an issue. They're, they struggle at catcher. Um, you know, Miguel Rojas hasn't been quite as good as he was last year and started the season this year. Ever since he, you know, got hurt, came back. He hadn't been quite as good. So, I mean, they're still – they're offensively challenged still, although they have more potential on that side than we had kind of seen before this year. But, um, yeah, I like I like this team. and I think they're – you know, a, they got a lot of potential, especially with a, the great farm system they have now too. Yeah, they, they do have a really good farm system. So let's move over to the NL Central now where Milwaukee's leading this division by four games over Cincinnati. Um, Cincinnati's three and a half back of that wild card. You got the Cubs back in, in third, eight games back, kind of falling back from this division, seven and a half out of the wild card. So it's another one of those where, you know, the Cubs and the, the Cardinals, it's, it's pretty much looking like they're going to be out of contention for this division. Yeah, the Cubs should have a yard sell. They've got yeah. a, or let's, let's rephrase it, they should have an estate sell because they're going to be dead for a few years. But um, they have tons of guys that they can sell and they're not going to be very good for a few years they've been really bad lately they have no depth and some of those players that they have to sell have underachieved at times so i feel like they can still get stuff from chris bryant they can still get stuff from chris bryant and they're quite obviously not going to win this year 44 and 46 um you know I just don't expect them to contend. And then the Cardinals, I, I, I saw this coming a mile away. Yeah. Adding Arenado is not going to fix that team. They don't have good pitching. Their their offense has too many holes in it, although Arenado helped that. You know, it's not like he could play in six different positions. And, and Tyler O'Neill's having a great year, too. Yeah, Tyler O'Neill's having a good year. Goldschmidt's still fine, but he's not what he once was. Paul DeYoung's not quite as good as he once was, but they, you know, they lost Colton Wong. They don't really have a good second baseman. You look at their outfield, and I mean, Dylan Carlson's in one spot, and he's having a pretty good rookie year. But um, Molina's that catcher, and he's what 38 years old or something, and mm-hmm. you know, he's he is what he is at this point. He's still a serviceable catcher, but he's not a star anymore. And you know, obviously, their their pitching staff, I mean. They really just don't have any good pitchers. <laughs> I mean, they got, I guess, Flaherty has pitched well at times, but, like, you just, other than that, I mean, it's, it's your well, starting rotation. It. And then the bullpen, Alex Reyes has been nice as a, kind of a breakout at catcher. I mean, at a, as a, you know, back end of the bullpen guy. But other than him, I mean, not much there, so. And they are missing Dakota Hudson this year to Tommy John, um, who was had a really good year last year. And they was hoping to be one of their, you know, frontline people this year. Um so that that's another thing to that pitching staff that's that's really done that's hurt them quite a bit. Flaherty being out with his oblique injury, um, Wainwright's serviceable. He's been all right this year. 
But like you said, the, the starting pitching depth's not good. Losing Colton Wong was a big, big hurt for this team. That that on base percentage and the guy that or not on base percentage, the contact guy that he is in second base and, and that really good defense, they're missing that. Um, and I think we both had them at fourth in this division in our preseason picks. So I, this isn't very surprising to us. Or no, we had them at third. Sorry, I don't think it's really surprising to us at all. I think the team surprising us most out of this division is probably Cincinnati. Yeah, and here's the deal with the Central. We all knew coming in that this division could be could be kind of weird with the you know we don't we didn't know out of these four teams which one was going to kind of figure it out this year. We kind of I think we both picked the Brewers if I remember correctly, yes. but um, you know the Brewers, you know pitching their, their pitching is good enough to where we felt like they probably were the safest team because they have the two elite starters already. And then they have, you know, two elite relievers, which one has actually hasn't been as good as he was last year, but um, you know, they're, they're not as good as their record is, but I think the Brewers are still kind of the team to beat here. But yeah, the Reds have had bounce backs and we talked about it, you know, coming in that they could have bounce back performances from some of their guys like Castellanos, who after a hot start last year, really didn't play all that well the rest of the year. We talked about Suarez, but he hadn't really bounced back. But you look at Joey Votto, he's been better this year than he was last year. Um, and then, you know, just some of their young guys stepping up a little bit too, like Jonathan India, Nick Senzel, um, you know, they, they, they needed some pieces to step up and they Winker. needed some help offensively. Uh, yeah. Wink, Winker, Jesse Winker. Uh, and then, and then, you know, I, I do, I do think they need some bullpen help. I think they need to go add their bullpen. Amir Garrett's been atrocious. Uh, you know, they really don't have a very good bullpen and that's probably what I would add to. So that, that was the question I was going to have. Do you think this team should make the push to try and win the division? Oh yeah. No doubt this team should buy. I think. I mean, because, you're four games. Uh, you're four games behind a team that has no offense. So, you can if you're able to get another starting pitcher for the Reds. You know, you already got Sonny Gray up there. Castillo's finally started to pitch a little bit better, and you know you've got you know, Wade Miley's pitched well this year. Tyler Molly's pitched well. You add, you go find another pitcher to add to them, and uh, starting pitcher and a reliever. I think you can definitely catch the Brewers. Uh, so, you know, this division's not over. You're not gonna make the wild card, but would you say a trade for like Jose Brios and Tyler or Taylor Rogers for this team? Yeah, I mean, good you, trade. If you're able to pull that off, then, I mean, I think that puts them neck and neck with the Brewers at the end of the season. The Brewers are just so offensively challenged. They, Yelich isn't the same guy as he was. And, I mean, other than, like, I, they just don't have anybody. Right. There's not a single guy in the Brewers lineup that, that really scares you as a, as a pitcher. Like, maybe Yelich still makes you nervous just because of his, his you know, it's but he hadn't been good in him. Yeah, but he hadn't been good in him in two years. I mean, right. then you look at their, you know, uh, Maybe a, a Visael Garcia, uh, but I mean he's kind of a journeyman player that you know has having had a hot start this year. Narvaez has been pretty good so far, but I mean uh, other than those, those guys, guys like fear in your, in they your don't, head. they really don't. And um, you know they picked up Willie Adamas, who has been a good addition for them. But um, I mean there's really just nobody. Uh, Keston here had really hadn't taken a step forward this year. Really, I don't really think he took a step back because he wasn't very good last year either. But you know, he's kind of mired in that we don't know if he's even a big leaguer now type thing. So, um, 
I mean, I definitely think the Reds, they've got enough talent in that lineup to where if you add a couple pitchers there with, with the guys that they already have, I think they could definitely catch the Brewers. They played really well as of late, and, um, you know, they could definitely get on a roll. But I, I don't think any of the teams in this division are that good, right. you know. But they, cool. there's definitely something there. So Well, that'll be a story for us to, to definitely keep up on in the next couple weeks about what the Reds can do in this division and maybe what the Milwaukee Brewers do and how much the Cubs actually do sell off. So be one of the more interesting divisions to uh, to watch going up to this deadline. But uh, no let's jump over to the NL West where I, I still don't think that anybody thought that the San Francisco Giants would be leading this division right now, albeit by two games over the Dodgers. Um, and the Padres are – they've fallen back to six games back, but there's been they, – they still play really well in this division. Yeah, this has been a really good division. This has definitely been the most entertaining division in baseball this year. Um, you know, you look at the – first off, the one thing that just – if you look at the, the division breakdown here, the one thing that jumps off the page to me is the Rockies are 31-17 and 17 at home. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're, they're, they're 18 games back, and – they're they've, they're forty and fifty one overall, but they've won. They're fourteen over five hundred at home. They're nine and thirty four on the road. I don't even know how that happened. I know they have cores and it's so different. I don't know how that happens. But anyways, you look at the the Giants at the top. Um, we'll see what they do. I, I still don't believe they can keep up the pace they're at. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they've got legitimately good pitching that they found stuff with guys and. You know, you look at their lineup, and I'm worried about their lineup being able to sustain because it's a lot of veteran players. I'm worried about them being able to do it all year for 162 games. That second half push, wear and tear. You know, you already see it. Buster Posey went on the IL. I'm sure it's a very short stint. It's probably 10, you know, just a 10 day stint over the All Star break part of it, too. Um, you know, Brandon Crawford's been so big for them. You know, he's a veteran shortstop. Is he going to be able to do it all year? Um, you know, I think there's a lot of question marks. You know, Brandon Belt's another guy. There's a lot of question marks for the Giants the rest of the season. Uh, but, you know, they are they got such a good record right now. You add a couple pieces, I think you'll probably see them in the wild card game. Um, you know, because I do think the Dodgers or maybe even the Padres are, are going to catch them. But, um you know, you go down the list, you look at the Dodgers, and obviously they're they're who they are. Uh, you know, 21 games above 500, and um, you know they're finally healthy for the most part again. And uh, you know, you look at the Padres, and you know it's kind of the same deal. You know, they are who they are. We knew they coming in that they were going to be really good. Um, you know, the thing that worries me a little bit from the Padres is some of the inconsistency they've gotten out of a couple of their pitchers who we expected to be really good, like Blake Snell. Um, He's been very disappointing this year. But, um, you know, these three teams are gonna. I think the. I think it's gonna. They're gonna duke it out the rest of the season. It's gonna be entertaining to see who comes out in this division. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see also who at the deadline makes the biggest swing in this division. Because um, you know the the Padres they can use a starter. They can use some bullpen help. Um, the Dodgers they can use a starter and bullpen help. Maybe another bat depending on on what they want to do with their outfield situation. The Giants are probably the team that needs the bat most of all, um, but they could also use another depth piece for that starting rotation, even though, even though they've got you know, great production so far. It's going to be interesting to see which one of these teams takes that swing to say, like, okay, no, I'm going to be the one that, that you know steps up in this division or, or 
throws the first punch and you know see how the other two react but it's definitely going to be interesting the padres they they seem to play the dodgers really well they seem to have the dodgers numbers but against everybody else they seem to struggle a little bit more you know the dodgers have been not healthy all year they're starting to get back there the giants like they said we they've their old guys have had a resurgence per se and and they're playing really well now. Yeah. Are they going to be able to keep that up for the long haul through the you know the dog days through the second half of the season? It's going to be really interesting. To yeah, play. and that, that that with the Giants, they could take, they could have one week where with the amount of veteran players uh, and injury prone players they have, they could go from being a, a truly really good talented team to having nobody left. Right. I mean, you you could have there there could be a week where you lose because Alex Wood's been very good for them. He's a very injury prone pitcher. You could lose him. You know, obviously Posey Belt. You know, you already lost Longoria for an extended period. You know, uh, you you could just you could all of a sudden lose two or three guys and then not be anywhere near where you are now. So uh, you know, I worry about that standpoint for the Giants. And then of course, like you talk about the Padres, I think there there's times where the Padres lose a little bit of focus maybe when they when they play some of you know some of the lower rated competition i mean um they're a really young team they play with a lot of energy and excitement and i think sometimes when that energy and excitement's not there in the ballpark they don't really they don't feed off of it quite as well so there's times where i think they give away some games that they probably shouldn't because you know they're just the energy's not there so uh, that's not all the time or anything but um, I think I'd like to see a little bit more consistency out of them. Oh, so. you could, yeah, you could definitely see that. They they get up for those big games against the the people that they should get up against, and, and that that's when they play their best baseballs when the the lights are bright and the you know the pressure's on. So they do roll against some teams, you know, that they should probably beat. So, but it's going to be interesting with all these teams. Like you said, the the trade deadline's coming up and just. I think a little over two weeks. It's on the 31st, so two weeks from this Saturday is going to be the trade deadline, and uh, it's going to be interesting. We're going to start seeing deals happen. You know, over the I, I think most likely you're going to start probably this next week. Um, you're going to start hearing a lot. You've seen already rumors about Eduardo Escobar pretty much getting traded. Um, Adam Frazier is another guy that seems like he's on the road out. Kyle Gibson even is another guy that, that sounds like he's probably going to get traded. Yeah, you also look at Trevor Story, Joey Gallo, yep. um, and then maybe even some guys that – all the Cubs guys. Exactly. You'll get Bryant, and maybe even – I, I, I kind of doubt they trade Rizzo, but yeah, I Yeah, I think possible. that's the one guy they keep. They, I mean, they might even trade Contreras right now. I mean, it, it'll be interesting. If a team that needs a catching help is really willing to, to make a move, I mean, they could. I, I, I would not be surprised to see yeah. to see the – uh, And, and then you could – you, you could see a couple really big impact players, you know, veteran pitchers. Uh, Charlie Morton, Max Scherzer are a yep. couple guys that I'm thinking of. Charlie Morton, if the Braves, you know, don't if, – if the Braves struggle coming out of the break and, and lose a couple games after the injury to Acuna, I think they'll sell. So that would be Charlie Morton. And then obviously Scherzer with the, with the, with the uh, national struggling. He's been so good this year. You know, if you're the – I feel like you would want to sell him if you're the Nationals if you possibly could. But um, but it'll be very interesting. Um, you could maybe even see a, a couple of you know longer term, like I got Herman Marquez from the from the Rockies get traded, type guys like that. Um, so it's gonna be very interesting to see. I think we're gonna have a pretty wild trade deadline this year. 
I think there's going to be a lot of moving parts. We really didn't have one last year with it being the short season and stuff. We had we had a few big trades, but nothing like I think what we're going to see this year. So, yeah, it's going to be a, a monster trade deadline if if I can say that. So, well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. You got anything else? I don't think so. Um, obviously, uh, you know, I think the it's good to have the the All Star break here in the middle of the season. Um, and I, I think it's good for a lot of teams to have that rest and recovery, especially this year. Um, hopefully in the second half, you know, we see a cut, a cut in some of these injuries that we've seen. And, you know, some of them, like, like the Acuna injury is not really a, you know, some kind of like soft tissue injury that's from wear and tear. That's one of those kind of freak his knee bent the wrong way type things. But you see other injuries that, you know, a lot of soft tissue injuries stuff this year. Hopefully this break helps some of that, get some guys some, some days off. So, um, but uh, I'm, I'm excited for the second half. I think there's going to be some really good division battles. Um, you know, we're getting down into the nitty-gritty nitty of the season, the fun part of the season. Um, and, you know, it won't be long until we're talking about the playoffs and, and who's in and who's out, and, you know, what, what's going to happen in the in the postseason this year and get along to the World Series. So um, I'm uh, very excited. Uh, but uh, no players of the week this week because obviously with the All-Star break, you know, they haven't played many games. So we'll probably do a combined – for, for last week and then and then the this weekend on the show next week so it'll be be on the lookout for that so yeah you pretty much summed it all up so thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of the bat flip podcast and we'll catch you guys next week thanks everybody